Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends. This week on the show, unbelievable guest, absolutely outstanding uh, human, outstanding story and, and just an incredible chat and really, really blessed to sit down with Nico Hines. Uh, he's a Dally M winner for the Cronulla Sharks, formerly played for the, the Melbourne Storm down here in Melbourne and I was really lucky enough to have a chat with him when I was up in Sydney at, um, at the MIK Studios. Massive shout out to them for letting us at, uh, record there. But um, yeah, this is just genuinely an incredible story. I didn't have to say much at all and just let him talk and tell his his story, which is is unbelievable. And um, there's so much to learn from no matter how old or experienced you are in life. It's it's pretty cool to to see what he's been able to do and what he's been through. Um, and just a great message to to everyone. So yeah, just a little bit about it. Grew up in on the on the central coast with um, his mum and dad. Unfortunately. Grew up in some really tough circumstances. Um, you know, widely known now that he, his mum faced some challenges and, and ended up in in prison, and um, that would have been extremely tough for him growing up. And still has a great relationship with her to this day, and which is really cool. He touched on touches on the whole sort of situation of, of growing up in that circumstance, and then heading into playing league and um, trying to get drafted. It took him a long time to actually end up on a list with injuries and, and just didn't quite work for him early days to then finally getting an opportunity at, with the Melbourne Storm. But before that, even some more hardship on a real mental health battle that he had on his way of trying to get you know picked up and living out of home and, and growing up as we all do. And he's really extremely open on this story, which is, is bloody incredible. Um, I don't want to steal the thunder of it because it, it's really well told by himself. And then ending up at the storm, winning flags, um, talking a lot about his indigenous culture, which was absolute blessing to hear from him. And um, and then now ending up at Cronulla and winning the Dally M. It seriously is an incredible story. I'm not doing it justice at all. You've got to sit down and listen to it, but it is unbelievable. So if anything um, from today's podcast does trigger you at all, or you want to go and speak to someone about anything that it brings up, make sure you do head to um, Lifeline or Beyond Blue. The links will be in the show notes with numbers and, and everything there that you can contact for that. So um, it is pretty – there are some heavy topics, but I'm sure you'll you'll get a lot out of it and, and hopefully enjoy the chat because uh, he's an incredible guy and absolutely love him. So thanks so much to Nico. Enjoy. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. He's like, you can embarrass yourself. And I was like, bro, do you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant. Didn't know all yeah. seven. So I've been in a bad team for 10 years and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect. It's a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes. I'm like, Dan, stop doing that. Just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog. It's easy. They had no other way to get out of the cave and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Nico Hines, welcome to the pod, man. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Mate, th- this is unbelievable. Um, in Sydney at the moment, MRK Studios absolutely put on a clinic for us. This new studio is unbelievable. So this is the first time I've been in here. That's yeah, beautiful. Good spot. Mate, um, thanks for um, making the trip. I really do appreciate right. uh, your time. How was the trip? I know you were, we were chatting last month. Were you in the States? I was in the States. Yeah. I went to America for two weeks. It's different. Very different. Was that your experience. first trip over there? First time, yeah. Oh, this is my first time going over 
to a country that's not like third world. So I've been to Bali, Thailand, Papua New Guinea for footy. Yeah. So yeah, going to America was a very uh, eye-opening experience. LA was uh, just crazy, just full on, very full on. I don't think I would ever go back to LA. Yeah. <laughs> so I just feel, sort of feel sorry for them. Like, there's a lot of a lot of homeless people yeah. there. There's just in the streets full of tents with homeless people in it. Is that like, like Skid Row? Out. Is that what that's called? Uh, I don't know. In Hollywood yeah. somewhere, it was yeah. just full of it. And yeah, the people, I just don't really get the people away. Like, yeah. They're just not my type of people. Like, yeah. With all due respect, like, yeah. they have their own way of living. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they weren't very welcoming at times. But I went to Austin. Austin people were beautiful. Oh, Great really. time there. ACL Festival, Unreal. How Can't, was that? Who was playing? Uh, who did I say? I seen Flume, Diplo, uh, Pink played that night. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers play on the Sunday. Uh, so there's some good people. Uh, I didn't make it to Red Hot Chili Peppers. I got a bit too uh, carried away and ended up going <laughs> home early. But um, all in all, great experience. And then come back, went to Derby down the weekend, had a ball, first Derby day. And uh, oh, I reckon I can go back there every year. Mate, you sound like you've had a big few months. I have. Yeah. I've, I've drunk a hell of a lot. Yeah, no, you deserve time it, to uh, get back into routine. Yeah, well, you deserve it. Congratulations on on everything you've uh, achieved in the last sort of twelve months, and and a matter of fact, you know the whole the whole journey, which we'll touch on today. But yes, like, we will. I was I was listening to Den and Kemp's podcast with you yep. that you did like twelve months ago, mm-hmm. and it was at a time where things were really you know working. You're playing well at the, at the Storm, and you sort of didn't want to leave, get this contract yeah. offer. And that was where the podcast was at. And then yeah. the next 12 months has unfolded. Did, were you pinching yourself or are oh, you? Yeah. So much. Like if we sat down uh, just after that podcast and you told me that we'd be sitting here again today after having the year I did, you know, winning the Dally M, I would have took that in a heartbeat. And yeah, I just can't believe it, to be honest. Like I, it took me a few days to sink in that I just won the Dally M and to sort of sit back and reflect. Uh, i got a mindset coach who I'm going to have a little retreat in a couple of weeks and uh, reflect and start again and uh, set new goals and that, which yeah, I'm very excited for. But um, so I've sort of had a little bit of a reflection myself. He's massive on me reflecting on my own in my downtime. And yeah, done a little bit of that, which, uh, you know, put a smile on my face. I was really uh, happy with what I've able to achieve and went back and I put my goals on the computer. And uh, I think I looked at them once over the season and looked at them again and I ticked the you know, majority of them off, which is unbelievable in itself. And you know, I can't thank my teammates, my family, uh, my coaches enough for how they've put me into work this year. And, um, yeah, it's paid off a little bit. So, yeah, plenty more hard work to go there. Mate, it's unbelievable. It's your credit to yourself and, and everyone else around you. That, um, you were saying then about your mindset coach. Yep. Is that like a – who is it if you're happy to – Yeah. To evolve? Um, so he's an old mate of mine. His name's Jared Brown. Played a little bit of footy together growing up and then sort of went on a little separate ways – not because we weren't mates anymore, it's just that we didn't really have much in common anymore. Like he sort of went down his path of doing, um, you know, he bought a gym and done his stuff and PT and whatnot. Yeah. And he was kicking goals in his own area. And then I started going well in my area and I had to move away and I didn't live on the coast for five years or whatever it was. And then funny story, actually, I was making my NRL debut for the storm on the, in the central coast. And I went for a swim. I guess like to go for swims on game day. And I uh, went for a swim because it was in T, lives in Terrigal. We'll stay in Terrigal crossed the road and as I was crossing the road to go for a swim that morning I bumped into him him and his new girlfriend at the time and turns out like that was the first time we've seen each other in ages it was like a meant to be moment because from that day on he start we started sort of touch base again slowly started working together and then now he went into the space of wanting to be a mindset coach influencer in that sort of area and then I was like I want to do it so when I was leaving the storm I knew there's going to be so much more outside noise and pressure on myself because it's storm like no one, there was no media down there for yeah. us anyway. It's the way I feel like you'd know. Yeah. And I didn't have to deal with that attention at all. And uh, coming here, I was just like, you know what? Going to be a halfback of a Sydney club, 
Um, coming from the Melbourne Storm, there's going to be so much more attention on myself. Even just the people in the street, you know, you don't get much of that in Melbourne. And then here I was just overwhelmed by it all. So I was like, oh, I've got to work on something else other than just going to the gym and running on the field. And I listened to a lot of Dan Carter stuff before that. And yeah, he was just saying like in his podcast that you know, there's only so much weights you can do or how many laps you can run, but it all starts in your mind. And that just resonates with me and uh, it made my mindset coach. And um, yeah, I just started doing stuff with him and I was doing about three three sessions a week with him. Yeah, and I loved it. I just loved it. And I don't think I would have been able to have the success I did if it wasn't for doing all that sort of work. That's crazy, man. Yeah. What's it like? So you, when you left Storm... Yep. You sort of preempted that you knew the pressure was going to be coming yep. and got onto it before. Yeah, straight away. Yeah, fair. yeah, I just knew that I've there's always been that talk about people leaving the storm don't go as well as they do when they're at the storm. And I reckon that's a bit of a myth. You know, you've got Greg Inglis, Israel Folau, Cooper Cronk left, like all these players who are great players and they went on from Kilda. And there's just been a, some, a few players that have gone elsewhere of the clubs and probably didn't go as good as like what they were. Not having the system around them. Yeah, exactly like right. Yeah. It's not their own fault, but. Um, and then I started hearing that about me and when I was in contract negotiations, there was other clubs talking about that as well. And I was just like, you know what, screw you guys. Um, and I want to work on that because I know it's coming. It's just going to come. It's just what happens here in Sydney. They talk about rugby league 24 seven. The media don't really like doing positive stories. They're all about the negative (laughs) ones. And so I was like, I want to get on the front foot. I know I've got the playing ability, but I've always been a worry ward, a stress head, overthinker, uh, and I didn't want that anymore. I wanted to get in, on the front foot, and um, yeah, I decided to do that. Unreal, man. Proactive is the best way to be. Hey? Exactly like, right. I've, I, I say this a lot throughout the shows, but I see a cycle like once a month, and I don't necessarily at the moment feel like I need to, but like I just continue to do yeah. it because I just want to be like if something does pop up or I'm struggling with something like it's just more aware of it. it's all more aware of it and yeah. then every time I go and speak you know and have a chat and have a session with her I leave going fuck yeah I needed that yeah, when like walking in I was like I don't I can't be fucked at yeah, that's like, right. I can't oh, be fucked I at all I couldn't agree more yeah there's <laughs> yeah. a time sometimes where like I love doing it but I was just like it's hard Sunday Arbor one had a good night on the yeah. piece or something I was just like oh I just want to lay down watch me even go to sleep and but then after every session I'd done with him I was just like far out you know, I go into that session. I didn't. I feel like I'm on top of myself at the moment. But yeah. and there's always something that he would do new, and I'm like, fuck, yeah, maybe yeah. I, I do need to recognise that a little bit more. I always related to like going for a swim. Like you, sometimes you don't want to get in the water because it's cold. But as soon as you put your head under, you yeah, always go, you fuck, that mad. was that yeah. was so good. Yeah, you walk away going, fuck, that was amazing. <laughs> under me, man. Ah, uh, hey, mate, I'd love to um chat about your story, mate. It's honestly, yeah, pretty inspirational. When I say pretty, it's incredibly inspirational, especially given to you know what you've been able to achieve today and and go through. I'd love to go back to the start. Yeah, it's a good place to go. Growing up on the Central Coast. Yeah, what was life like for you as a young Nico? Uh, it was great. I uh, had a few challenges, but I loved every bit of my upbringing. Um, I actually caught up with an old mate of mine in Melbourne and our other best mate. We were all down there actually having a yarn about our upbringing, which is uh, really cool because you're sharing stories about what you did, what missions you got up to. So yeah, I grew up in Yamina. Uh, I was born in Gosford, you know, played all my footy for your minor bunnies, went to school in Yamina as well, high school in Brisbane Water Secondary College. And yeah, I, I ran a muck. I had a great time. You know, I uh, everyone's pretty well aware that I grew up with my mum in and out of jail from you know when I was five to about 12 years yeah. old uh, I'll probably touch on that a bit later but yeah then when I went to high school um, she was out and she was sort of the fun parent uh, I lived with my dad and my stepmom when she was in and out and you know they're probably more the stricter and wanted me to do <laughs> do well in school and all that but mum come out and sort of felt like she was I uh, wanted to give us some lost time so let us run amok a little bit which was fun and yeah obviously loved to go on and get on the piss with me mates as well but uh, there was a certain time where I need to really knuckle down and, and start focusing on footy and I ended up doing that and 
yeah, chose to chase the, chase the dream and took the long road. But without those challenges and uh, I think the tough times, then I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. So, um, yeah, I really had a good – I wouldn't change my upbringing because, you know, I learned a hell of a lot, lived on the streets a little bit. And that's all the, the learning curves that you, you get in life and um, I can and hopefully transition that into when I become a parent and, and learn, take some learnings from what I've done wrong, wrong and right and, and hand that over. Yeah, I love what you said, man. You wouldn't change your things. It's made you who you are today. Yeah. Talk us through um, – if you're happy to, like growing up with, you know, the relationship with, with your mum and dad, what was that like? Was it tro- was it hard at times with, with your mum? I can imagine it'd be pretty pretty tough as a young kid, you know, being able to face that with a maybe bis- bit of like trouble at home. Uh, well, I don't know. They, they were civil. You know, they split up when I was well, about two years old and we, me and mum and my brother and her new partner, uh, I think when we were about three or four, moved up to Maitland lived on a farm and then unfortunately my mum's partner at the time uh, was a truck driver and fell asleep on the wheel and, and died and um, so that brought, brought us back to the coast but in that time every second weekend dad would come up pick us up and take us back to the coast and spend time there but yeah once that happened the, when he died and moved back to the coast so we were sort of just staying at mum's house still and we'll go on the weekends and that back to dad's and they were always civil they were, they were right mum and uh, my stepmum had an up and down relationship sometimes they'd get yeah. along sometimes they wouldn't but then yeah when mum started uh when she got a bit in trouble and did go to jail we'd live at dad's and um yeah and then every time she'd come out we'd try and you know go and spend as much time as we could with her but it wasn't long in between drinks before she kept going back but yeah once she got out around year seven i think she was out and start, stayed out and would i'd i'd dad and my brother would stay at my mum's full time because um, she had a little house with a cabin at it and he was a bit older than me, so he needed his own space and I would go week for week. So I'd go one week at mum's, one week at dad's and just keep doing that. That was a bit annoying. I was living out of a bag pretty much mm. the, my whole upbringing. But like I say, it's just, it is what it is. It's happened now and I wouldn't change it for the world. And yeah, they were, they were pretty civil and we, all my mates enjoyed being around both parents for uh, different reasons. You know, my dad was my footy coach and all the footy boys love hanging out with dad because he's a bit of a larrikin. But, and then mum uh, loved to have a good time. So they loved going there and would have a few house parties and that whatnot. <laughs> but um, yeah, so both both things had good reasonings to be where I wanted to be and I wanted to live at both of their houses. Uh, I felt bad if I would say, no, I want to stay at mum's this weekend or I want to stay at dad's this weekend. So just done the week to week, keep it civil. And um, yeah, I loved it. Where was footy in this, in this period? Like, were you always playing as a junior was that like something that was really strong I know from reading a lot of articles and stuff your dad's had a massive influence on on your footy yeah yeah I uh so I played your minor and then I was playing in like the rep teams the central coast rep teams uh so I was under 13s 14s and then I love touch footy as well like I was a massive touch footy fan I so touch footy, yeah tell us what what's like uh, as a Victorian I don't yeah you wouldn't know much no, no, about I suppose, it, eh? much tough footy uh, is, yeah. it's, it's like a six on six game uh very fast uh, like similar rules to league, but you can't kick. Uh, you just have to run up, pretty much touch them and dump the ball and then pick it up and run. And I think that's where I got a lot of my skill from because you need to be very smart thinker and quick on, with your hands in touch footy. Uh, I probably wasn't not the fastest sort of speed-wise, but I'm probably faster than most people in my mind with yeah. decision-making. So it's really quick decision-making and I just loved it. And uh, you'd go away to tournaments and go around and play the, for the New South Wales uh, Cup tournaments and whatnot and... Uh, yeah, I loved it. And one year I got kicked out of the uh, Central Coast rep team for league purely because I went and played a touch tournament because I was trying to make the New Survivors team. So I just said I was uh, doing something that weekend and I was sick and I got caught playing because I made the New Survivors team. So <laughs> I got caught playing that, so it gave me the flick. And, and then that sort of made my mind up because then Manly Seagulls come on and I wanted to get me down there to play in the Howard Matthews competition, which is under 16s. And Central Coast wanted me to stay there. And then I was like, well, you just kicked me out of the bloody rep team. So <laughs> I'm going to go down to Manly. And that's when I got picked up from Manly, just playing a bit of schoolboy stuff. And then, yeah, went from there. I went and played mainly under-16s, under-18s, under-20s. Spent one year in the 
first grade doing the preseason and training and that, and then uh, unfortunately got injured my last year in the 20s. Um, I was going to re-sign with the St- uh, Seagulls for a couple of years and be in the first grade team. And then, yeah, I got injured and they sort of said, no, we don't really want to look at you anymore. And then I had to venture out somewhere else. Fucking hell, it's crazy. Like, so I'm sure you're aware of how it works in, in AFL. Like, there's a draft. The draft, And it yeah. still rattles me to the fact that, like, with with league, you can just go to a team and sign yeah, as no, a young crazy, kid. Yeah. So how did that? How does that actually work? So you are there in their area? Is that is like is Central Coast sort of a, a feeding ground for Manly? Um, sort of. Like, we had a recruitment officer by the name of Dave, Dave Warwick who – from the Central Coast, yeah, and he recruited a lot of Central Coast boys because Central Coast is like a real was a big heartland of rugby league, like yeah. massive and such a good competition. Um, so a lot of Central Coast players got picked up and either went to Manly or Newcastle because Manly and Newcastle are like the closest yeah. uh, teams to us. But there'll be odd player who would get picked up by Bulldogs or Para or whatnot. Um, but yeah, so our guy was from Central Coast, the recruitment officer, so we got a lot of us down there, and then. Uh, but Central Coast would often have so Knights would be would like sort of not buy the area but would run a junior system through the area so it would bring our players into their yep. um, area but then by the time I think I got to Manly the Roosters ended up getting involved with Central Coast so then the Knights and Central Coast broke their partnership and then the Roosters jumped in and the Roosters have been with them pretty much ever since so if you play in the Harold Mats SG Bore when you're about to go into 20s you'll go down trial of the Roosters and if you're good enough or they Sign you, a con- sign you on a contract, you'll go down the Roosters instead of going to the Knights or Manly. Um, but, yeah, Manly offered me first, and I was like, yeah, I want to go give it a go. And I knew, I know if you know Tom Trebojevic. Yep. I played a bit of school footy in that with him and a couple others, and I uh, thought I'd go reignite our little friendship and footy partnership. So, um, yeah, I went and played there. It's, it's, it's sort of like looks like it's a quite a not, a not a linear path, but everything's sort of progressing to the way you think it is at that stage. You're yep. 19, 20 years old, playing with Manly, looking mm-hmm. like, you know, you're going to get a contract, have this injury. Was it a wrist? Yeah, it was my hand. hand. I did all my ligaments, broke my wrist and my thumb all in like pretty much the one go. And no. usually you'd be out for a couple of weeks, but it sort of set me back for about 12 to 16 weeks. I was like, all right, just a little hand injury. Yeah. Set me back that long. Um, but in saying that, it wasn't just that. Like our under-20s team, I think, come last that year. And I was hoping to play in the Rise Cup. I debuted in the reserve grade, and that's when I played like one of my best games. And then Trent Barrett, the head coach, said, all right, we'll keep you in reserve grade all year. And then... The next week, the reserve grade had a week off, and I was thinking it was a rep weekend. So when it's the rep weekend, everyone has a week off. Mm. But and the twenties had a catch up game because they missed a game, and they go, "Oh, Nico, can you go help the twenties out and play with them this week?" And that's when I done my oh, hand. So I was out for the rest of the year. That was probably about a quarter of the year done. And then when I done that injury, I would come back for like the last five weeks, and then yeah, and then they said, "No, nope, see you later." Pretty much. Would you do expect that? Was it something that you, did you? Were you like maybe at that age, like I knew I wouldn't be, but were you mature enough to, at that stage, to think it was coming, or did you think you were going to get another year? Yeah, I don't know. Like at, when I, after I just done the whole preseason with the NRL team, and then the, after the preseason game, I played my first preseason game with the NRL team. That's when they said, "All right, we're going to look to sign you for two years." And then I was like, "Yeah, fuck, let's do it. Like this is my dream. I want to find, sign my first NRL contract. Let's go." And and then after the, the year happened. Um, my manager sort of tipped me up saying, well, we might have to look elsewhere at the moment because uh, they put it on hold and then, then you got injured. So might, it's probably not going to look like what we thought it was going to look like six months ago. And then I was pretty a bit impatient. Um, so I was like, fire, what's going on? What are we doing? And he's, my manager said, look, we might have to start off in a New South Wales Cup team and train part-time with NRL. And I was like, no, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. 
because when you're in under 20s, you're following around the NRL team was holding cup. So every every game you're playing before NRL and traveling around Australia. Yeah. Um, and you're just thinking, far right, next steps it has to be NRL. Like, look at me, I'm a bloody superstar now. I'm following around NRL, getting to do what they do, getting massage, getting all this all, yep. all this cool stuff. And you just every 20 year old in that system thinks that the next steps just got to be NRL. But I learned quickly that it wasn't. And a lot of players probably that's when they lose um, their dream because they're in transition. They don't think that they have to go through reserve grade. They think they're just going to go straight there where I learned quickly that you have to go and play against men in reserve grade for a couple of years. And I had to do it the hard way. I had to go up to North Queensland and play in the reserve grade up there. It was the mm-hmm. Cowboys feeder club. And I was just lucky that a coach who was at the Cowboys and I followed the Cowboys my whole life. He was going to coach the um, Mackay team who's the reserve grade of the cows. And he just said, man, I've been watching you. I really want to get up here, get up here and have a good year and we can get you into the Cowboys system and you can hopefully train alongside John Thurston one day and I was like far out he was my idol my hero you know I want to get out of my comfort zone go give it a go and um yeah it's probably the best decision I've ever made yeah so that basically is like a a second division feeder club to the league yeah so they had in Queensland Cup they had their own team so in the Suez Cup like it'll be like a say the Manly Seagulls reserve grade team or the Cronulla Sharks but they have Newtown but in Q Cup that's they had their own like say Mackay Townsville uh, Sunshine Coast, like they have their own team, and but then the NRL teams will feed it, their players into it. But because the Q Cup have their own little members and have their own little fans, so it's like a proper reserve grade. Oh, like it's yeah. a really good competition. Yeah. So the Cowboys had three reserve grade teams, which was Cairns, Townsville, and Mackay, and their players would like drop into each of those teams. And yeah, I was just like, well, I gotta give it a go because I've loved the Cowboys, and if I have a really good year, I might be able to get my work my way into it. But our players don't have any training with the first grade team. Right. So we just do our own pre-season, our own weekly training. And then on a Friday, the, the Cowboys NRL players will drop back. We'll do our captain's run and then we'll play that game and they'll fly back to Townsville and be located with the Cowboys team. So, um, yeah, we'd, we'd done that all year and uh, didn't take me – it took me two, two full seasons there before I got my gig at the Storm. Unbelievable. So what happened? For, how did you get to from the storm from, from there? Like how did it all sort of transpire? Yeah, well, I, I think it was my second year, 2018, we had a shocker year. 2017, we went all right. 2018, we had a shocker year. But personally, I had a, a better season because yeah. 2017 is when I had all my off-field drama, a bit of depression and all that sort of stuff, which we'll probably touch on. Uh, 18 was when I had my head clear. I was playing really good footy in a pretty crappy team, losing team. But then the Sunshine Coast Falcons – uh, CEO see me we had a country round and you come to the pub we all like both teams went to the pub after just to you know interact with all the country people because they had a country round every year in the Q Cup and then Chris Fannery come up to me and said mate we're looking for a, a half are you interested in coming to the Falcons and I was like well yeah for sure I'd love to give it a go and I knew they had the connections with Melbourne Storm and then Tom manager and he got onto him and then um, turns out they were going to offer me the preseason down in Melbourne and I was like there's no way in the world I can turn down the preseason and um, Adam O'Brien, who was the assistant coach at the Storm, now the head coach at Newcastle, rang me up and said, "Mate, we've been watching some of your footage, and I know we're only going to offer you the preseason at the moment, but you know Billy Slater got offered the preseason, never left. Brody Croft got offered the preseason, never left, and you know come down and work hard. Who knows what could happen?" And I was oh, like, yeah. "Sold," because you know with negotiating that little tiny contract with the Sunshine Coast. You know, I already had someone from the Storm calling me. The whole time I was at the Cowboys, I didn't have any of them call me, and I was like, "You know what?" 
I'm, I'm out of here. And once that happened, then the Cowboys were like, oh, maybe we can offer you a preseason. Like, nah, no way. I'm gone. I'm going to Melbourne Storm. And I've heard what the culture is, how hard they work. And if I was going to give it one last shot to follow my dream, I reckon it was, had to be at the Melbourne Storm. And, um, yeah, it turns out I got lucky with that. Unbelievable, man. That There's an incredible video I was watching of you, you know, when you get your debut, which we'll talk about um, later. But I must say, did make me tear up a bit seeing <laughs> that, that story and your brother um, getting up there and presenting the jumper. Let's go, I think, what makes that and give context to how special that was. Can we talk about 2018 and obviously the, the trials that you trials and tribulations that you sort of went through when you weren't um, at your best? You know, when did yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, that was 2017. 2017. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I uh, moved away at the end of 2016 to go up for the 17 preseason and I had a girlfriend at the time, uh, moving away from home, you know, I'd thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was uh not not heaps of money it didn't really come from much money anyway but yeah i didn't really know how much the expense was going to be actually getting away moving home this is up to um to up brisbane to, this is up to mckay mckay to mckay north queensland and i did work with the nrl doing like just going to school teaching them how to play footy and whatnot and that job wasn't going to start until like pretty much footy season started again so i didn't have a job when i first got there i was struggling to find work and my money was running out real quick you know obviously i have to pay rent for the first time mm. do shopping you know buy petrol all this sort of stuff and then come home for the christmas went back up still struggling a little bit and that's sort of when it all come crashing down a little bit it hit me that you know i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do this on my own so i had to bring up my dad and off and borrow some money off him and he chucked me 500 to a thousand and probably had to do the same to my mom and I wouldn't tell them after that that I started struggling a little bit and then me and my missus started started going downhill hell of a lot and just wasn't working and yeah a lot of things happened in that sort of thing I won't really touch on but we ended up breaking up and uh, it all just crashed, come crashing down and at one time it was a domino effect you know the no money no job me and the girlfriend just split up my first like pretty much my first love just split up and um, yeah and then I think I didn't really realize that at the time, but everything that happened with me mum and um, other things in life, it all sort of, um, I don't know how to explain, but I went to a doctor and he just said, look, everything that's happened in your life before, you'd never really resolved. All this has all happened again. It's all, it was all built up and you're just going through similar things, even though it's not the exact same, but um, the similar mindset, the similar um, heartbreak that you had with your mum, the similar heartbreak you've had now, it's just all added up and crashed down. And he just said, mate, I I reckon you've got depression and we're going to diagnose you with depression. You're going to go see people. We're going to put the steps in place for you to talk to people and, and we're going to move move on with this. And I was that far out. For some reason, uh, I had a lot of embarrassment at the time. Um, I went home and just, just started bawling my eyes out to my roommate, Aaron Booth, and he's just like, what's up? And I said, man, I've just been diagnosed with depression. And um, he said, it's okay. Like, you know, you're going to fix it. And I was just, I was like, no, I'm embarrassed. Like, how can, you know, the popular kid at school, I had a lot of friends, uh, I was a f the footy player, you know, all the footy players at school, probably the same as you in, in your school, they're all the, the popular kids, they have a lot of friends, they get, get the girls, like, I was just like, how does that, I go from that to this, you know, I don't want to walk the streets anymore, I don't want to go be seen by anyone, you know, but no one knows what's going on, but in my head, I was just like, I don't want to go out, I want to go see near anyone, just the embarrassment, and I was just so upset that that could have happened to me. Because I just had no idea what it was and what it meant for me to move forward. And um, like you were saying before, like when you were going to see your psychic, whatever, yeah, whoever you see, you just feel like every time you go there, you're sweet. But then afterwards, you're like, oh, I needed that. Every time I'd go there, I felt like the late days leading into it to go see the counselor. I was like, no, nah, I don't need it anymore. I don't need it anymore. But then going in, and, and then they make me feel and recognise what actually is happening. I'm like, oh, okay, this is why I come to see you. 
And then, but the first person I seen, I was sort of like, uh, I don't really know if this is the one working for me. And then um, the second person was a bit better. And then that, that off season, because I had a bit of an up and down time in that part. And um, I went, that off season, I went home and had a massive like reunion with all my best mates. And it was silly because I got on uh, a bit of the party drugs and uh, drunk and got on a massive bender that whole weekend. And everything come crashing down again uh, a couple of days later and I was back home back where uh, me and my ex-girlfriend used to hang out seen all these memories come flooding in and yeah that one of those days I went to work with my dad and I was just bawling my eyes out all day because I have a bit of a come down all the memories come flooding back like I just said and um, yeah dad was like what's going on man like what what's what's hitting what's going on I said honestly can't explain to you like I just don't feel good one little bit and then I went home that day in that Arvo and that's when a bit of suicidal thoughts come to my head and for some reason I was just walking around at my mum's house and there was this, she had this little bloody shed with tools and all these sort of things and I was like, wow, I, looked at, I think I was looking for a rope but whether I would have done it or not, like it's just for me to have those suicidal thoughts in my head, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like could come to realisation a, a couple of hours later, like that's what I was just doing. I said, nah, this has got to stop and then... Went back up the Mackay off that off season and um, sat, the captain of the club, his name's Tom Murphy, sat me down and just said, mate, you got to do this properly. you got the world at your feet. You're a young lad. you got all the skill in the world. If you give this a proper go, you need, you can't, you won't ever make NRL if this is still hanging over your head. And yeah, he's pretty much told me that I've got to, I can pull my head in, like told me some harsh truths. And yeah, that's when I started doing it all properly. Instead of thinking I could just beat it on my own, mm. uh, I went and done some the counselling properly. Um, my roommate Aaron Booth helped me out a hell of a lot. Uh, I probably wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't wasn't for him, living with him, and decided to uh, screw my head on, do it all properly, and yeah, I sort of done it. Started playing good footy again, and yeah, worked out that I could really give it another crack, and I did. Mate, it's uh, it's unbelievable. Honestly, really appreciate you you sharing no, that story. Right. And fuck, like, like the amount of people that would would benefit and relate. To, to where you know you were at and what you've been through and the people you've probably saved by telling that's credit yeah. to yourself. Well, that's the so. goal when I do tell yeah. the story. I don't really tell it for sympathy. I don't no. want people to you know talk to me about sympathising for me, but I just want to inspire people and people are going man. through the similar things and uh, they know they can beat it because I yeah. did and can still chase the dream no matter what dream you have. I, I really love the part um, that you were saying about when you you know you first diagnosed with depression, you're a little bit embarrassed about about actually think like what the fuck you know why is this coming to me yeah. you see your first person you see your second person not really connecting with them but it takes it takes time takes time it's like going to like a gym or you know watching a movie you're not going to like every movie you see you're not going to like every person you meet you got to find the right match for That's you right, for like sure. was that was that similar for your process for yeah, yourself you yeah, had to find definitely. the right thing 100 percent. and there's going to be things in life for people that some things yeah like you were saying just don't work for you but you just got to keep grinding away and yeah. finding what does and yeah, it took me a couple of goes to get the right one. Uh, well, it took me a, probably a hard talking to from yeah. uh, me mate Tom. And yeah, and then I, I finally did find the right person. And I probably put things in place outside of j- not just the counsellor, but you know, instead of going and getting smashed on the weekend because I'm feeling down, um, you know, go and have a nice dinner with your mates or don't go out as much, you know, train a bit more. Um, yeah, so I just had to find what really suited for me. Yeah. I still have to do that. Like that's why I hired the mindset coach because he he's made me so aware of so many things and so many awarenesses that I didn't really know of until I dug deep in, in internally and um, finding out what I need to do more. You know, like I, for example, I used to hate 
if after a loss, I would hate going out in public because I was so embarrassed that people were thinking the whole time that, ah, Nico, you, you're a loser. Like, you lost the game last night. You suck, you know? That's what back the old me would be thinking yeah. of. But now, like, you're human first. You need to find what's worked for you. I can should be able to go walk the street uh, after a poor game or after a loss because I'm a human and, um, you know, that's what he's made me realise, those sorts of things. So you just got to find what works for you, what r- routine, um, you know, certain people you want to talk to you know I've always you know he's been telling me that I've got to surround myself with more positive people because you know if you're hanging out with negative people then it's just dragging you down and um, you know it can take you into a downward spiral pretty quick 100% man absolutely love that I love the friend Tom yeah like what a blessing that was for that one conversation that like you know for someone and without knowing his story of someone that maybe didn't have the talent or future that you know he saw in you to sit down and he didn't have to have that conversation no. with you, but to go out of his way and do that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was massive. And Do you remember it? Like, oh, wh- clear as day. Yeah. Clear as day. And he's always been someone who's always told me the truth. Like, yeah. I've never really, other than family, like, you always have your mates who, you know, pump your tires up a little bit and, um, you know, probably might be too scared to tell you the honest to God truth. But mm. he's someone who always did, no matter what, whether I was in the right, whether I was in the wrong, um, you know, even if I was joking, but sort of there was a little bit of truth behind my joke he would pull pull it up so he calls a spade a spade and yeah I just can remember he was sitting on like the Mackay Stadium like the grandstand and he just dragged me out there and we're just sitting there and he just just said laid down the law to me and um you know he was probably what 28 at the time so he sort of knew he wasn't chasing that early anymore but mm. I, get, I just think he didn't want to see me maybe go down his path like he wanted to buy an arrow one day but he didn't didn't quite get there and uh he's, he's probably just seen something in me and yeah i'll be forever grateful for, for him in that conversation we still keep in contact he's traveling the world oh, australia with his young family at the moment so we only get to call every now and then because he's in no service but every time i do it's always good to hear from him unbelievable so you're feeling good you're getting in, in a better headspace you've got some really good systems and process around you surround yourself with good people yep. get to melbourne storm on that trial mm-hmm what was it like walking in the doors of that place? Like, you know, for someone that's not league focused, even in AFL and in Victoria, Melbourne Storm, and that's so well known that yeah. like, it's nearly like you walk in that place and become a better person oh, or better, you know, you just like, you have to stand tall. Yeah, massive. And it's so hard to explain. When people ask me that, sort of like, you have to be there to understand what it does to you. And I spent that off season training my ass off because I knew I had to do the right thing for my last chance at yeah. making the NRL. And I just remember the day I walked through those doors and I think it was like maybe the second day or the f- first day, I'm not sure what it was, but I walked onto the field and Billy Slater was there. Like I literally just stepped onto the field and he's got his hand out to shake shake my hand and welcome me to the club and ask me where I'm from and what I'm about. And I was just like, fire out, that's Billy Slater. And you know, he's wanting to know who I am and what I do, and um, which was which was awesome. And you know, have just the meetings, um, the demands they – set for um being a good human first and no dickhead policy um and you just want to you just want to train hard you want to be a good person because you don't want to let the person next to you down you don't want to let the person who's in the membership team down the coaches down like everyone just drives success and standards and culture and just being a good person i was just like far out i wish i walked into this door when i was 17 years old or 18 years old because who knows what i could be doing right now and that was just the place for me and I, they sort of have the same standards and values as um, I hold as a person, you know, being humble, being kind to people, treating people how you want to be treated and 
yeah, I just they they accept you for who you are, not your past, and um, you know they love good stories as well. And um, yeah, I think that's where me and Craig Mellonby sort of hit it off a little bit because he's someone who uh, respects from where you come from and your past, and uh, if you want to do change and make change and become a better person, and um, yeah, and that's sort of where we set off. And I went and done the IDQ camp. Have you heard of that one? I the, think so. Is yeah, this the, the the like the the camp, the three day yeah. army camp? <laughs> yeah. Far out. Um, so I done that, and how how was it? Like, what was your experiences with it? Oh man, it was crazy. Uh, Is this like so? Every new player goes. Every new this, player, yeah. yeah. If you're new to the club, no matter if you played 300 first grade games and zero first grade games, you got to do it. And we had a really good crew and tough as nails. Like, and it was one of the nights uh, you had to get up and sort of tell your story and what you're about. And I told a bit of whatever it was of my story from then to that that or from when I was young to that point. Yeah, wow. And um, and no one knew this at that stage? No, nah, no one knew that stage. And I was sort of like didn't know whether if I wanted to tell it or not, but everyone before me was getting up and getting emotional and telling it. And the reason I didn't want to do it is because I didn't want them to think that I'm telling this story to for them to love me and uh, want to mm. treat me different and treat me better, you know. I didn't want any sympathy. I was just like got up and I was like, well – who would I to be get up here and not tell my genuine story like after all these players are? Yeah. So I just done it. And after that camp, I done pretty well. And um, Frank Panisi, who him and Craig are the head, like Frankie's the general manager of the club and does a bit of their recruitment, come up to me and said, well, that's the last thing you do of the preseason before Christmas break. Yeah. And then he came up and said, mate, uh, Craig really has really liked you. Love what you've done on that idea. You can't, would like to invite you back after Christmas. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> Like that was just the cherry on top of that preseason. I learned so much. Um, I reckon I've become a, like the better player I've ever been in that six week period. And then after you've just been tortured for three days, ready to go home and eat shit and sleep, um, yeah, you come up and they told me that. And I was just like, that's the one of the first goal ticked off. You know, I wanted to be invited back and yeah, got invited back. And then come after that little Christmas break, went back and done the Geelong camp, which was torture as well because <laughs> in that Geelong camp, it's all about like the main team and the reserves like going at it. It's all footy. Like there's no not much, um, you know, just little skill blocks anymore. Yeah. It's thirteen v thirteen, going at it, match like, play. Get yeah, getting ready to pick who's going to be in that seventeen. And so all like the train trial guys who got invited back, well, pretty much me and just a couple of young fellows who were contracted the storm, just off to the side, just running MAS blocks the whole time. And I was just like, far out. Why do they invite me back here? I'm just sitting <laughs> off to the fucking side doing this. <laughs> Just doing this fitness block the whole time, and but in saying that, like you learn mental resilience in that in that point yeah. in time as well. I still give it to my uh, old trainer, and he, when he come and graduated me for the Dalium or whatever, he always goes or whatever I, successful something happens now, he always goes, "See, mate, all those running laps in the Geelong camp back in the day, <laughs> it's all worked out for you, hasn't it?" And I said, "You fucking bastard!" <laughs> but yeah, and then after that. Um, I got sent away back to the sunny coast just to play reserve grade and they said, look, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Um, we'll bring you back down for a trial, but go back, kill it there and we'll see if we can um, sign you. And then i done that. I went back and probably played the best footy I've played and uh, I got a phone call one day with Frank saying, mate, we're going to sign you not only for this year but for next year too. And Fuck. I was like, yes, this is it. And then um, that was probably the best phone call bar the debut that I've ever had to my dad and I called him first. Whatever it's got to do with footy, I'll call him first, no mm. matter what. And yeah, there's a few tears, and yeah, I was I was just waiting for that day for my whole life, and just to be able to give that to him, who's just been my footy rock the whole time, it was um, yeah something I, I can remember forever. For sure, unbelievable, man.
to be, you know, where you were like one, one, two years earlier to that and then yeah. getting that first contract, it's just like leaps and bounds just keep yeah. coming, coming, coming. That's right. Well, yeah, I, like I said, in, well, in the off season, I had to prepare because my manager warned me, everyone warned me about going down to the, do the preseason. So that off season, I just made sure I stopped getting on the piss, yep. just trained my absolute ass off. So, cause I, I knew it was going to be my last chance and I'd. Could, I was always back my ability to be the best player I can be. I just needed to uh, sharpen my tools in have the things in real areas. Yeah. yeah, and so that I'll put it down to that off season that when I went down to the storm and then I prepared well enough to go down there and train the way I did to put myself into a position where I can get signed. And lucky enough, I did get signed and moved down. And I, once I got signed, I was like, far out. Now I just want to play first grade. I'm sick of being the tackle and pad, you know. And uh, lucky enough that year, a couple of injuries happened and I got to debut. Yeah, I love me. I don't know if you, if I'm going way too weird on this, but I'm like massive on just like law of attraction, like yep. manifestation, and just you put something out there and seeing for the cheese. But knowing your story and with a debut, like circling the yeah. round that you wanted to debut, and then like that comes to you. Can you like tell that story? Because yeah. I, I feel like it's there's something else at work there. Like that, yeah. like power of the I'm, mind. I'm like man. you too. Yeah. I, I'm a bit of a big believer in law of attraction, and everything happens for a reason. And in the preseason, so when we were in the preseason, they put us Falcons boys up, who were the reserve grade boys, put us up in a uh, hotel in the city, and we'd get a tram in. And um, the draw came out. I think it was like mid December, just as I'm we're about to finish the preseason sort of thing. I only had a couple more weeks left. Draw came out and I was just, I don't even know why. I probably shouldn't have even been having a look at the storm draw. <laughs> and I just was, yeah, and I was, got off the tram, rang my brother and I was like, fuck, Wade, storm play South Sydney Rabbitohs at Central Coast Stadium round 21 in 2019. I said, that's fucking, I'm going to make myself be picked for that game. And he goes, oh, all right, eh? go on then. <laughs> I don't know whether he was fucking believed I could do it or whether um, he was like, all right, let's give it a go. And that year, come when I started living down there, playing down there, training, the, the game was getting a bit closer and I was like, fuck, I'm no chance here. And, and at that stage, you're just playing like... I was just playing flying up. Yeah. So we'd uh, fly up on a Friday, um, do captain's run with the Falcons on the sunny coast, play, come back. So, um, yeah, it just got closer and closer. And then I think the game, the week before, I forget who the boys played, we went to uh, went and watched Adam Good's docker, I'm pretty sure, um, at... Chapel Street. What's the minute cinema? At Jam Factory. Jam Factory. We went there. And then me and Harry Grant were just sitting next to each other. And then um, I think Paps rocked up in a moon boot and Jerome Hughes was walking around like he's back, like he's 95 years old. <laughs> and um, I was sitting in, me and Harry were sitting in front of this mirror. Um, and then Money yells out and goes, Nico, stop licking your lips. And I was <laughs> like, what the fuck are you on about? I thought he was just thinks I was looking myself in the mirror. Yeah. And he goes, Nico, stop licking your lips. You're going to play this week. And I was like, what what's he talking about? And I was like, what's he on about? Harry goes, oh, I don't know. And then he's seen fucking Paps and Moomboo goes, oh, look, Paps and Moomboo. I don't know how Jerome's back is. And I was like, yeah, whatever. This isn't going to happen. This is too good to be true. And then the next day, rocked up the train and Husey's back still no good. And um, they called me in to do some video with the NRL team because normally reserve grade boys are doing gym um, while the first grade boys are doing um, video. And they called me in. Jonesy, the physio, comes in and is like, oh, yeah, Husey's back's no good, so we're ruling him out and we'll see what Paps' legs like the Savo. And then I was like, fuck off, there's no <laughs> way, there's no way. And then uh, went out and trained and Paps was over doing like a little fitness test over here while we are all training uh, on the main field and I uh, was sort of like doing the old looking back and seeing seeing how he's going. And Bells was before the session, like, yeah, right, we're going to see how Paps is going, but we'll chuck you in at 
at fullback and see see how you go there and, and whatnot and trained really well and and then I think after the session well Pat's walked off and went into the gym and um Bells had come up to me after the session he was walking past a few of the boys and I was off doing some extras and I was looking over there of course like, extras the side of me, yeah. yeah looking <laughs> at the side of me uh my eye looked see if he was coming to me and then he walked past the boys and I was the only one down this end and I was like fuck he's coming over to me <laughs> what's going on here and then he comes and stood next to me and he's like uh yeah looks like the the boys might be out we'll see how Paps is tomorrow but I don't reckon they'll be that good and if they're not we'll chuck you in and I was like oh fuck off <laughs> like, that just happened and then um I was like oh what happens if they're right are you still gonna take me and he's like oh we'll see why is that I was like well it's my hometown <laughs> I was gonna go there just let me come and he's like oh yeah yeah we'll see how we go and then um I walk over back after doing the extras, all the boys are standing there and they're looking at me going like, are you in, are you in? And I was like, fuck, I think so. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, pretty much they ruled Paps out and I FaceTimed my parents. I was like, they're going to let me know for sure tomorrow. But, well, actually, first I rang my brother. I told him to go get my mum, get my dad, get everyone in the same spot. Yeah. And that's when I FaceTimed and, and they're all cheering. And I was like, don't, just be careful. Like, let's just keep it calm at the moment. They're going to let me know for sure tomorrow morning. And then, uh, yeah, to, the next morning, Hoffy rang me and said, mate, the NRL have cleared it. They're no good. You're, you're in. And I was oh, like, far out. Like, that's Fuck. awesome. And just for it to happen in my own hometown. Yeah. Um, so that day, and then I rang my mum and locked it all in and got in the flight and off I went to the Central Coast to, to play NRL for the first time. So good, man. Yeah. So good. And what was it like just being there? Unbelievable? Crazy. Yeah. yeah unbelievable. I, we got there and... Got there, uh, I think it was a Thursday, oh, Friday night, Saturday morning, done Captain's Run, got my fam to come watch the Captain's Run and then after that went and had lunch with like all my best mates and at that lunch I sort of jumped up and thanked them all for, for believing in me and um, you know, never doubting in me and being there for me, which is really a special uh, memory I have. And, Huge. Uh, they were all pumped and went back to the hotel and calmed down and uh, yeah, I was ready for the game on Sunday and I had like a whole section of the stadium just full of like my best mates and I remember running out looking down there and they're all going nuts and then after game getting to to run down and and jump into them and uh yeah it was it was so special and then grabbing my mum after and giving her a big hug um yeah nothing nothing will beat that so good man absolutely unbelievable you're saying um with the storm as well like with the the community and like the, the boys there and everything is that am I wrong in saying that was a a time when you really started to, or not, not started to embrace, but really got around and, and learnt more about your Indigenous um, heritage, like with Adokar? Yeah. Is that right? Uh, or was I, it before I, that as well? Yeah, before that. Yeah. But going to Storm and I knew Joshy beforehand, but yeah. uh, not heaps well. Yeah. But then when we when I got the Storm, we just clicked and yeah. um, I've never seen a more proud person um, of his heritage and, mm. and of his culture and, and being an Aboriginal man, like... I've obviously seen it from afar of how proud people are, but seeing up close and personal and um, yeah, how much he loves who we are and representing uh, his culture, it was just changed my life, really. Like I was already a proud Aboriginal man, but being a fair-skinned, lighter side of um, the black side, yeah, I was not embarrassed, but I didn't speak about it too much. I had a lot of doubters around me, so yeah, going to see him and hang out with him and... and like the Melbourne Storm is so massive on on culture and representing who you are and being able to go out and do things and represent the, the Aboriginal jersey because yeah. there's only a couple of us there. So I used, me and Josh and I think it might have been Brenko 2020, um, 
Chambers was there in 19, but every time there's only a small amount of us Aboriginal guys, so I'd always be one representing the jersey and showing off the jersey first, and that's what sort of started me leading into being able to do more things in in that side and, and represent and, and show off who I am and my culture. Yeah, and every time, you know, Joshy would always say to me, mate, no matter um, how black you are, you're, you're always Aboriginal. Like, they can't take that away from you, and, you know, you can be the widest bloody wall of paper and you can you're still black so no matter what you're black if you're black you're black and that just stuck with me forever and yeah I got to learn a hell of a lot off him and even going into all-stars camp this year yeah uh, that was unbelievable that that changed my life as well and yeah so growing up like I people would only really f- not found out about it like I always knew um, I was Aboriginal but mum going to jail interacting with some proud indigenous females in jail um, she got started to do painting and started to connect more with her culture and yeah, they loved her in there and then she she would come out and because I never got to meet her dad and her dad's the Aboriginal side of her and me. Uh, she got taken away from her when um, she was young and yeah, so we never got to know much about it and um, you know, mum going through everything she did with the death and then going to jail and not being able to see her, to sit down and have a proper conversation with her about uh, that side of us and um, I remember in year seven or eight, I met an Aboriginal man named Bruce Terrere, who I met through high school, and I uh, started seeing him do all the dances at school and connect with the culture. And, and uh, one day, I remember just seeing him painted up dancing because we used to have these talent shows and that, and he was he'd done that. And I was like, "Wow, Bruce, I want to come. I want to come do that. I want to be a part of it." And he would teach me, and he'd I'd do it all with him, and I loved it. And it was sort of a moment where I, I just remember walking around the corner seeing it, and I was just like. Oh yeah, that's awesome, and mm. it sort of it was like a law of attraction sort of thing where I was just dragged. It was like a meant to be where um, I got dragged into that area at that point in time where I wanted to be more invested and in, involved in my culture, and you know, that's where I started a little bit. And um, but then that's when the doubters also started saying, "Oh, how are you black, Nico? Like, look at your white skin or your fair skin. You know, yeah, you get tan in summer, but you know, Aboriginal and." Um, so from those sort of little doubters, I'd never really expressed how I yeah. felt about it. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I wasn't proud, but I was just too scared to talk up and learn more because you're all these people telling me I'm not something when I am. And, um, yeah, so a lot of stories have come out and said I didn't find out about my Aboriginality until later in life. It's not that. It's just I didn't really know much about it and I was yeah. too scared to talk about it because there's that many people who don't embrace the Aboriginal culture in, in, this, in this country. So... Uh, I was just a young guy who didn't know who I was and wasn't connected to to my culture. And um, as I've progressed in in footy and I've got to know more and have a platform to be able to go and learn more about it, and I've absolutely loved it. And now I can honestly sit here and say I'll never, ever be scared to talk about who I am and I want to be an advocate and inspiration to guys and girls out there who are like me who aren't you know skin black you know and they, they can still be proud of who they are and embrace their culture and um yeah inspire the next people ah, it's unbelievable mate it's unbelievable the the part like just everything really in, in in terms of just finding out and being able to really embrace everything which has yeah. been huge especially with i think australia wide there's a lot of issues at the moment but how has it been in um in league like you know through AFL there's been some serious um you know racial racial acts over the past few years and yep. they're trying to get better and putting some really good reconciliation plans in place at cl- cl- at, at clubs but what's it been like in in league? Uh, I think there's been going through waves you know Latrell and Josh have copped a fair bit but I think they cop a bit because they're not scared to talk yeah. talk about it on their social media and the media you know and 
they'll speak up and talk about it no matter what because they're so proud and um, they want the the racist people to stop and they want to cut racism in sport and you know there's there's plenty of it still like the amount of comments and that go on on social media yeah, it's like all right this year and our our girls all stars team our Aboriginal girls there was a few white skinned um, girls in that team who were, that well, for me it doesn't fucking matter at all but you'd have people coming on it saying um you know how how is this in the indigenous yeah. team when look at they're all white and um and they come from some of our own to be honest too um so yeah just it's hard and you'll get people commenting now on some of the boys in the australian team not singing the anthem um you know saying they shouldn't be playing for australia they're not going to sing the anthem but you know how can they say that when they have no idea what's ins and out of of the anthem what 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 that means to certain people. What, what it means, what yeah. they've gone through in their life. You know, people just don't understand what Aboriginal people had to go through their whole lives. And yeah. Yeah, so will the racist comments and the racism ever stop? I can't answer because I actually don't know and I don't think it will. There's always going to be people out there who are jealous. I think racism comes from a lot of jealous people. And, yeah, and what Adam Goods and a few other people have gone through in the AFL, it's just fucking unbelievable. Like, it's it just shouldn't happen and... Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if rugby league's that bad, but you know, it's it's just got to stop in all codes and and how how we do that. I don't know. I don't have the answers, and I'm hopefully we can find some answers. But I'd love for for our indigenous leaders in sport to be able to do what they want, say what they want without getting picked on. Yeah, for sure, mate. I think it comes back to not just indigenous people, but just Australians in general, just banding together. I think you know it's hard for me to comment because I'm not indigenous, but um, it just comes back to education, really, yeah. making sure people. Are, are well aware across it and there's been some incredible people in, in the footy, especially in, in AFL like Eddie Betts and Adam Goods that have, you know, changed the course of the last couple of years with what they've been able to do. Emotionally having to wear that on themselves, um, we need to all stand up together and, and keep sure. going with it. It's not it can't just be on a couple of people to, yeah, to do it. Eddie Eddie's a good advocate for it. I actually uh, when I was living in Melbourne we'd have mob nights at Eddie Betts' house. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, we used to Is that through because of with the Lind the with connection Lindle, with Lindell? Yeah, so connect, yeah. Connection with Lindell. There you go. There's your shout out, Lindor. If you want to be listening, <laughs> she wanted to make sure that I said something about her. Um, so connection with Lindor, and then um, she got me involved with Eddie, and you know we'd have all mob nights, all that. Four boys would go there too, and just spin some yarns, have some dinner, which oh, is man. awesome. So yeah, he's he's massive to be a part of, and I love uh, hanging out with his family and uh, just speaking on on the culture side. I think in New Zealand they teach. I think it's like you have to learn Maori culture in, in mm. New Zealand. That's, yeah. that's the indigenous New Zealanders, and I just think it should be a yeah, I wasn't same, taught anything at school. The same man. thing has to be here. I reckon you should. They should have a, a curriculum, whatever it's called, that you have to sit there and learn, um, you know, Aboriginal language or learn more about the Aboriginal culture. I just think a lot of people love seeing the Tongan culture. They're doing the Tongan, what the, the dances they do, the Samoan boys, the Maori. Like I love seeing the way they go about their business. At the Sharks, we did a big cultural day this year and learnt so much more about the different cultures we have in our team and. I just think all those cultures are so much more respected than the Aboriginal culture. So I just think, like you said, educating yourself more on um, on the culture and then yeah. that's the right step in, or the first step in the right direction. Well, having just having conversations as well. Like yeah. I've already learnt so much today by even just sitting down with you and not, I've played with a heap of, heap of guys. But, yeah. you know, I think it's just be curious, ask questions right. and, yeah, go from there. One thing as well, which is incredible that I'm – know you were doing a little bit of with the storm was were you running like mental health like chats yeah yeah. during what, what were you doing there well obviously going through what i went yeah. through back in 2017 and uh i was i was lucky that i had a lot of people around me to talk to um like i mentioned aaron booth and my brother my mom my dad 
Tom Murphy, the guy I was telling you about earlier. But I just know that there's a lot of people that don't feel like they could talk to people. And mm. uh, back in 2020 when uh, COVID happened for the first time and the big pandemic when we got moved up to uh, sunny coast from Melbourne and I just knew there's going to be struggles like and family their families might have been struggling and their friends and, and friends of friends were going to be struggling so I just thought I'm going to use my past experiences um, you know I've gained a plenty of advice through that time uh, I've learned a hell of a lot for through my challenges and I just thought you know what well, I was nervous I was shit scared to do it but mm. I was like got up and because we did this thing called storm hour once a week and it was pretty much take the piss session, but there's a few serious segments. And I just said to uh, Frankie, who who ran the, the sessions, I said, look, uh, I'd like to get up and, um, you know, just run a little mental health segment in the in the storm hour. And um, I was like, I just got to do it because right now we're in such a unique space where all we had was each other. We're locked away in this resort for yeah. the season. You know, there's going to be a time where you just don't know who who's going to be going through a tough time, but we need to be aware of it. And we just need to talk about it. And I think I was in just the right space because all the boys respected each other's stories, respected, you know, if someone's going through something, I just got up and just, yeah, ran a little segment and just said, boys, this is the time where if we can have going to win a competition, we need to be the tightest group we can possibly can. And, you know, whether you're playing first grade and you're in the week, that 17 that week, or you're not, whether you're, you know, nowhere near playing first grade, whoever, because the people who aren't in near first grade still need to train at their best for the 17 that's going out to play to win the game of footy that weekend. And we can't have anyone, you know, down and we can't have anyone not mentally there. So, yeah, I just thought I'd run it and done a couple exercises, which was cool. And, yeah, and they, they loved it. And then we'd go off and I think once or twice every couple of weeks we'd go off and have our little little group, connection groups we called it. And yeah. you'd have a few questions you'd ask and just go around and everyone would answer the questions and, it just made each other connected and you just felt way more connected and easier to talk about things. And, um, you know, you had players who have family um, left in Melbourne or in Sydney or you can't see them. And um, some of the staff had their their wives and kids back in Melbourne, so they can't see them. So it wasn't just the players. It was, it was a one in all in and the players, the, the trainers and the coaching staff, they all loved it too. And, yeah, just it just flowed. And I was just so glad I'd done it because if I didn't do it, you know, I would have been kicking myself and, I'm not saying that's the reason we won a competition, but um, I reckon it's the reason why we all loved each other so much and we're so close and we all hung out. And, you know, I, you know, when you're sitting in a resort and you're there with people for so long, you sort of get sick of them. Yeah. I did not get sick of wow. them. I did not get sick of them. We just loved, enjoyed our company so much. Um, we just played all these different games, cards. Like, it was just one of the best experiences of my life. And um, that didn't stop there. Going into 2021, I still done the same thing, connection groups and... I got up and stole, told a few different parts of my story just to uh, set the room and set the boundaries and making sure that you can go into that those connection groups and not feel like there's any boundaries. You can go out and speak whatever you, you want to speak to because yeah. you're in such a safe space and you know we're not going to tell anyone about it. This is who we are. This is our bloody bubble. You're not going to be fucking laughed at. No one's going to tell anyone this story you're about to tell us. So I would sort of set the tone straight away because I'm not embarrassed or I'm not scared to talk up because um, I want to change lives and... Yeah, we've done all that and um, super grateful because that sort of uh, – I learned how to talk about my my story in front of people and now I can transition to talking about it in front of random people, not just people I know. And, yeah, so I'll, I could tell this story every, every day of the week if it's going to change just one person's life. Mate, it's absolutely incredible. Were you, were you surprised, like, from telling your story and you think, fuck, this is going to be huge, and then you realise that other teammates have got 
other shit and you just go, how the fuck did I not know this about each yeah. other? Like, you know, so many, everyone's got something to, to really share. Yeah, that's right. And the reason it sort of kicked off was because, um, I don't know if I should mention his name or not, but one of our yeah. main players um, put up a story of uh, his nieces or his family, somewhat, something, and I replied, oh, that's awesome, bro. I love that. And then he goes, yeah, man, missing them so much at the moment. And I was like, whoa. Like he had his missus there. He didn't have his like extended family obviously there, but this is coming from like one of our main players of our team who's so popular amongst the boys, you know, and it just sort of hit me. I was just laying in bed and it just hit me. I was like, fire out. I need to do something here because obviously people have their own things, but I just, you're in a mindset where you don't think bad things happen to like great people. Like yeah. you don't think they ever thinking like, like feeling like that. And so for him, like he was a happy girl, like he's so happy around the boys. You never feel, feel like anything wrong with him for him to message me that and feel safe to do that around me. It's like, well, I need to make a difference. I need to go out and make sure all these boys, um, know that, you know, you can talk to me about it. You can talk to anyone about it. And the exercise as we done, I done, I said, right, boys, I want you to put your head down. Um, and put your hand up if you're missing someone right now. Pretty much everyone put their hand up. And I said to the player, I said, I hope you don't mind me doing this, but this person's um, missing this person a hell of a lot. Hand him up if you knew what he was going through and not one person put their hand up and knew that he was missing his family. And I was like, see, boys, this is why, because we all need to talk about it. If you're missing someone, you're doing this, you just need to speak about it. And, yeah, the respect and love I got from the boys that day was I like, it was, I was just, the reason I was so nervous because, I've only played a handful of games here, um, and I, yeah, I just didn't want to go in front of the boys, and then it, they just think, oh, he's just played only played a handful of games. Get off the stage. No one wants to listen to you, Nico. But they all sat there, and they were all engaged. Come up to me and slap me up. I said, Nico, that was mad. We love that. And even like Cam Smith loved it. Like he was, he was frothing on it. I was like, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so the the reaction I got surprised me, but. It shouldn't have surprised me the way it did because those guys are the best bunch of people in the world and I just probably was just being getting in my own head and being nervous about yeah. it, which I shouldn't have. But, yeah, and it happened and, um, yeah, it blew me away, the overwhelming support I got and uh, that probably made me more confident to be able to go and, and do it at other places now for sure. Fuck, man, how's the growth? Like look back into, you know, what you yeah. where you were a couple of years prior to that to then getting up and telling your story, helping other people. Like yeah, you must be super proud of yourself. Yeah, I am. Like, look, I don't do it for my own happiness. Yeah. Uh, I get happiness out of it, yeah. but I just get it. I do it because I want, because all those things you go through, I always tell these people, all these things you go through in life, it's just advice to gain for the next person. Yeah, it's not winning or learning. No, it's exactly yeah. right. And everything, all the advice I gain, there's no point in me holding it in and keeping it for myself. You know, you just want, I want to try and make lives better. And, you know, I just want to inspire the next people. And if I can do that, then I'm doing my job, you know, mm. and I've got the platform now to do it all. So it's just given me a hell of a lot of confidence to be able to go do it. And, um, yeah, I'm just glad that I've sort of made out to be the person I've wanted to become this, you know, this mad, nice footy player. But I want people to recognise me as the footy player. I want people to recognise me yeah. as a human that's going to try and change lives for sure. Fucking oath. Mate, I absolutely love that. It's like good human first, good player second. That's right, 100%. In saying that, though, I think what's been a credit to yourself is the whole day we've talked about you as a person – when you've just won a Dell M, we haven't yeah. even spoke about footy yet. <laughs> like that's what, you know, you should be extremely that's proud about I mean, and that's what sure. people want to do. Yeah. In that though, I do want to talk about like the the move from Storm. Did you actually want to leave? Like I know being at the Storm, like it's one of those places, as, as you said, the connections there sounded like you were fucking absolutely loving it. Mm -hmm. But other people were knocking, you know, other clubs. Was it a hard process to turn that up or, or stay? Yeah, it was. Once I made the decision, I was like, fuck out. What have I done? But so... It goes back to I 
So we went, when I won the premiership, when I was on the bench, obviously didn't get on the field. I was very aware. But I was in the 17, got the premiership ring. I was a big part of um, the year. That, that squad in that yep. year. And then it turned come to round one the next year and we played our trials and I was going to be on the bench and I was just happy to do that. Like I was just wanted to be in the 17 each week. I didn't want to play reserve grade again. And then Harry Grant got injured in the trial game. And then um, I think at the time Craig Miller didn't really back me because Brendan Smith was going to have to play a full game at hooker, but he didn't think he was going to survive it because he's a little fat turd. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding, Brendan. But he um, just didn't think he was going to last 80 minutes at hooker, which is a tough gig playing hooker at 80 minutes. And so Harry got injured. So he Belzer didn't really uh, back me to be able to play hooker uh, in the NRL at the time, which was pretty ex- – I, I agree with it looking back on it now. At the time, I was like, no, I can play it. I'm a bloody tall. I've never played in the middle before. Yeah. Like, it's not really my position. So he's like, look, mate – Pretty much Harry getting injured has probably hurt your spot of being in now 17 this week. So we're going to get a hooker, another backup hooker to go on the bench. And I had to go play reserve grade that mm. week. And I was just ringing like my dad going, fuck me. I never made it aware to the uh, anyone yeah. else that I was annoyed about it because that's not the culture you have. You've got storm. to be annoyed though. Yeah. So I rang dad and I was like, fuck, I've just been in the grand final team. Got a premiership ring now. I'm going off the fucking play reserve grade. Round one, I was like, no, what's going on here? Like, I might need to go elsewhere. I might, but I'll just hold it out, hold it out. Played reserve grade that week, and then I think the boys – I think so reserve grade started round two of the NRL season. The boys won, and they went loss, and then um, I played well in reserve grade, and then I think Paps ended up getting a head knock his first one. Um, and they're like, yeah, Nico, you're going to be playing first grade this week against Penrith, so it was going to be the grand final rematch. And I was like, yeah, sweet, let's go. Played first uh, – played fullback. Paps was back the week after. I played really well um, in that NRL game, and then – I didn't leave the team again, but I went start, went back to the bench and I started playing a bit of hooker, a bit of lock. I'm not sure if you know all these positions, yep. but I, started, I was just playing everywhere. So I was back in the team, didn't leave the team, and then we went on this big ring strung, but then wing streak, and then Paps ended up hurting his shoulder. So I played a couple of weeks at fullback. Uh, I think it was about four weeks, and he come back, and then Munster was out, so I played 5-8, and that's that week that's when Paps got his massive head knock and was out for a very, very long time. And that's when I started playing for a fullback for the pretty much the rest of the year until Paps come back and we'll swap and change it. But at that time, I, I started playing like the best footy I've ever played and that's when people started talking about my contract and I was like, because I was enjoying it so much, I was like, yeah, look, I'll probably come to terms I'm going to have to leave the club so I can reach my full potential. Mm. I love, I'm like, I want to be a coach one day so I love game planning, I love picking teams apart and I was just really, really enjoying being a main member, like being a part of the spine, like the main member of the Melbourne Storm team. Yeah. And I was like, far out, I'm going to have to leave so I can get this somewhere else, get this feeling again. And then we kept winning and winning and winning. I was just playing great footy. And I, as I was starting to make my decision, I was like, far out. I don't know if I want to leave. <laughs> then I had the meeting with the Sharks. And is this I, mid-season this as well? Because you, you guys do the trades. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing this mid-season. I went and visited the Broncos, spoke the Warriors, went and seen the Sharks. And that was the best meeting I've had. And I loved yeah. that. So ended up signing the Sharks. And then a couple of weeks later... Just kept playing really good. We'd Did just, you tell the team? Yeah, I yep. got up in front of the team and oh, I had to do it really quickly because like, yeah. I got end up the journey ended up finding out and it was like the NRL 360 show and they were about to release it and I was like, fuck, I had to scramble everyone together and, and do it quickly. But yeah, so once I'd done all that and then probably a month later, once it's all sunk in and I'm leaving, I was like, oh no, I don't know if I made the right decision. <laughs> like, But in, in my head, I knew I did because yeah. I was just – Belzer said, look, you won't, probably won't play first grade, uh, play reserve grade again, but you'll be in our team. I just can't promise you a starting spot. 
so in my head, I knew I've made the right decision to leave so I can be a starting player. But in my heart, I was just like, this is my family. Like I've never, ever felt more of a family than, than, other than my own. But like it's so hard to explain because people were like, you're just leaving a club. You're going to feel that the same. But they made a dream, like a five-year-old kid's dream come true that mm. I never thought that was ever going to happen. The opportunity. And, yeah, they gave the opportunity. Yeah. They took me in. Um, the connection I made with them, like it was just unbelievable. And uh, yeah, knowing that I was going to leave and then – when Paps come back into the team and me and him were sort of swapping and chained, I'd start, then he'd come on, I'd finish on the bench and then eventually ended up getting the fullback position then I'd play a little bit in the halves and then I went back to the bench. Then I was like, all right, this is the reason why I'm leaving because I just don't feel like I'm a bench player anymore. Yep. With I don't want that to sound arrogant at all. you got to be there, don't just, you? Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just knew that I was probably my time on the bench was done and I wanted to spread my wings and go and try and – reach my full potential and be the, the, the best version of myself I can be. And I could have done that at the Storm easily if I was starting all the time, but I could never reach full potential coming off the bench. And I just had to back myself. I looked at what Paps was doing, money, Uzi, and I was like, well, I, I believe I can do that. So I'm going to go out and just give it a go and, and go out on a limb and try it. And um, yeah, so yeah, once when Paps come back and I was sitting on the bench and I was like, yeah, right, I'm not really a bench player. I reckon I need, I'm glad I made that decision now and, and then after our celebrations when we lost that prelim, the Mad Monday, and we went on like a little three-day or four-day um, team trip down to the Gold Coast after the sunny coast. And I remember driving, I drove back from Gold Coast to Sydney and I rang Lyndall and I rang a couple, my, my couple other people, my mum, and I was like, far out. Have I made the right decision here? Like I was driving back, tears coming down my eyes going, far out. I'm about to, just about to leave all my best mates and this beautiful club. Um, but I had a few nice moments with like Craig Bellamy, Frank, and the club after I was leaving and yeah once I got to Sydney and I uh, started um, training and that I felt like I was home again but mm. yeah it was one of the toughest decisions I've easily had to make in my life for sure yeah it's a, it's a hard decision because it's a it's probably an easy decision to stay and be comfortable yeah. and know that you know you're going to get paid and be at a good club and be with your mates but yeah. to actually challenge yourself and go no you know what I want the ball in my hands I want to be playing yeah. the whole game I want to be the man yeah, and then right. to sort of go how it did, like it must yeah. be pretty special. What do you reckon that was the biggest thing? The the way you played this year, just knowing that you were getting backed, like having that support, just going like, nah, you're you're our, you're our guy. Yeah, I think so. Like at the storm, I was training in multiple positions, didn't really have a spot, filling in center, fullback, half, uh, lock or hooker. Um, but like the first conversation I sat down with Fitzy in his office when I got back to preseason, he just said to me, look. I want to make you the best player in this competition. I want you to win a Dalian. Um, do this, do that. Like, and I was like, "Well, he goes, why can't you do it?" And I was like, "Bro, <laughs> so he said that the year before." Literally, like it was what November or December going into the year. He sat me down in his office and said that exact thing. Like, Fuck I want you know. to be a Dalian player of the year in this club, in this team. And he's he's backed me since day one. Like Craig Bellamy backed me. Um, and then going to Fitzy and knowing how much like he loved the way I played and he's going to back me as well. I was like, far out. I can't wait to play for this guy. And mm. yeah, and he said that. And then I, I walked out of that, that, that meeting and I was like, fuck, he's off his head. <laughs> 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 There's no way. Because I, I just never – I always look at the Cameron Munsters, Smith, Slater, like all the best, James Tedesco, Nathan Cleary. I look at all these players and – I respect them so much and I just I've never seen myself be in the conversation of how good they are like I'll, I'll always like secretly I'll always back my ability I'll, whenever I come up against them I'll always say to myself I'm going to outplay this guy and mm. I'll back myself to be as good as them but I just never expect 
um, externally people to talk about me in the same same breath as those guys. And yeah, and then after I walked out of that meeting um, and then I sort of rang me mindset coach and I was just like, this is what he's just said to me. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, why can't you do it? And I was like, and he just said, I want to leave you on this. Why? And then he just hung up and said, why can't you do it? And I just sat there and just went, fuck, there's no real reason why I can't. I was going to put my head and my ass into it and work hard and, and work hard on my mind and, and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I just fucking was like, you know what? Let's do it. And I, there's one conversation I had with Craig Bellamy that resonated with me before I left. And he said, mate, no matter how good you get, you can always get better. And he said, the best thing about Cameron Smith, Billy Slade, Cooper Cronk, like they had, they run premierships, Queensland, Australia, they reached their full potential, but there was always something they wanted to be better at. And the, the day you stop wanting to be better and train hard, that's the day you, you have to give it up. And then every single time I was at training, I just remembered that exact conversation. And if there was a time where I was just like, fuck, I can't be bothered going and doing extras today. I'll, no, I won't get up and do a stretch tonight. Like I just think about that conversation and mm. I just go, you're an idiot. You need to be the fucking best possible version of yourself for this team. Um, and I set goals that I want Fitzy's first year to be successful. I want the club to um, realise that they made the right decision in signing me. So I want to pay the, the faith in them. So I just... That whole preseason, I uh, did, did not train uh, under any sort of um, limit that I should have been training at. And I just kept working hard and hard and hard and working hard on my mind, sticking to a solid routine, eating better. I just wanted to make sure I did not leave any stone unturned to be the best, best possible version of myself and for the club that is just signed me and backing me to be a starting halfback that I've always wanted. And yeah, I just, I just done it. And round one, I, I was a nervous wreck and didn't play that great. And after that, I just sort of kicked on. Hmm. It's incredible, isn't it? Like, because you can easily, and I think as a, you know, guy, a young guy, I definitely had that sort of mindset of like, all right, I've made it. You yeah. know, I'm on a list. This is the best. And I didn't have that enough to go, like, now you've got to keep going. This is actually when the hard work starts. Yeah, exactly. But then, you know, once I left footy and I sort of was like, fuck, you know, you probably cooked that experience a little bit. I heard this sort of thing once and I was like, you know, think of where you want to go, get to. And then they're like, think bigger. Yeah. And then they go think bigger again and then think bigger again. And it's like when you do that, you know, you might go, for example, I'm like, oh, I want to be, you know, have a podcast and have it full time. And it's like, no, I want to be the biggest podcast, best sports podcast in yeah, Victoria. Sure. It's like, well, no, I want to be the biggest sports podcast in Australia. In Australia. Yeah. And it's like, well, why can't I be like the biggest exactly sport? Right. Like, it That's actually right. can't. So I love what you're saying. You can just like keep going. With, a lot of the time we just cap ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Just cap I see, it. I see a lot of young guys who come through and, um, whether it's at the Storm or at uh, the Sharks, like they're just happy to be there and happy to wear wear the gear around and be around town. Like people knowing that you're a Sharks listed player or you're a Sharks a Storm listed player. Well, I just never wanted to be that. I never yeah. wanted just to be happy to be there. I just wanted to make sure that no matter what, that I'm going to get the best possible person, best version out of myself, and I won't settle for anything less. And yeah. That's exactly what you're saying. Like, why can't you just go and be what the best at whatever you're doing, whether you're mm. a bricklayer, a chippy podcaster, footy player? Like, the only person stopping you from doing that is yourself. Mm. And you reckon a lot of that, like, that sort of grit and determination, gratitude almost just came from how tough it was to get there. You know what it is like to lose it. Yeah. Like, you I, know what it's like to not have the contracts, to not be performing. At your yeah, best. I think so. Like, you know, a lot of people make it without having a tough story, but I think a lot of people like myself who have tough stories and know how quickly it can be gone and know what it's like to 
go work during the day and then have to train in the afternoon and night time, you know, might respect it a little bit more. But yeah, I think just everything we've gone through and the I want to build a life for my mom and um, give back to my dad and just want to have a life for my kids when I when I eventually have kids mm. if I get a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just want to have a life for them that they're going to not have to worry about, um, you know, hopefully money or, you know, if their parents are split up or one of their parents going to jail. I just wanted to make sure they have a life that I didn't have and, and try and set them up. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just a lot of extra motivation. Uh, just the, the seeing my mum go for what she did and the smile on her face, you know, when I hugged her for my debut, I just never wanted that to go away and I just want to keep making them proud and mm. just doing what I can for them and my brother and now my nieces. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot of motivation Um into it but yeah i just know how quickly it can all be gone and i don't want to go back to a nine to five job right now <laughs> so good man what's um on that then that topic of thinking bigger what's what's your thoughts on like this uh next season have you been planning for it? you said you write down your goals you're gonna regroup on that stuff like yeah yeah for sure i've got this um the retreat we're going on yeah so what's a retreat coach. yeah where are you gonna go so we're going up to he said it's in like an hour north of newcastle um it's just this little like you could say a farm, but a little place out there. It's got all these different little things, like probably sauna, ice bath. Um, the guy who runs it's a physio. Um, and then there's just acreage and that. We'll go to different little spots, probably um, just have some real heartfelt conversations. Um, my mate Aaron Booth's coming down. He's at Fuck the Titans at the moment who yeah. had a really serious knee injury. So he wants to come and do it and, and get into, involved in that sort of thing. And, yeah, we'll just sit back, reflect, go over the season, and then – probably do a day of reflection, move on from that, and then go into a day of um, what's next, the goals, and, you know, you've got to move on pretty quickly. Um, yeah, we'll just have some heartfelt conversations, set some goals, um, you know, set some standards of where we want to be and what we want to do. But it's not only on-field, it's definitely off-field. Yeah. Um, I've got plenty of things I want to put in place. I want to start a foundation, so I'd love to do that uh, over the next year or two, so I'll probably put some uh, things in place for that. Um, yeah, and just just keep looking at the bigger picture, keep moving forward. Um, I don't want us to be happy and rest of my morals. You know, I don't want to be sitting here just thinking, yeah, I'm a Dally M player. Like I can go in and just do that. It's just going to happen. There's no way in the world it's just going to happen again. And players are going to be coming for me. I need to work out team how teams are going to come after me, and I need to work a way around um, all that sort of stuff, which is pretty exciting. Like I've probably never really had a um, footy team come after me as much Jeez. as I have this year. So it's going to happen again. And just yeah, um, just need to stay humble and, and keep working hard and um, yeah, I reckon we'll set some boundaries on, on doing all that sort of stuff And but yeah I think work mostly off field I want to do like I said a foundation um, I want to join a, a mental health hopefully try to be an ambassador for a mental health uh, organisation which would be cool and yeah just, just put things in place that's going to make me happy off field Unbelievable man what you said before like pressure is a privilege as well it's exactly like right. you've earned it Yeah, so cool mate um, I cannot thank you enough for, for today honestly I'd loved you know seeing you from a distance and hearing your story but to actually meet you I, genuinely is an honor so um i really appreciate it i'm gonna be fucking smashing the sharks this year yes, i've yes. got a bigger team i was like i it's from storm you know i won't tell perhaps this but like it's too generic for me to go from melbourne because yeah, it's yeah. like in there so i was thinking you know where's somewhere we can go but the sharkies, sharkies might yes. the team. that's like me when i moved to melbourne um because richmond were flying oh you don't go for richmond no no, 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 no i lived in melbourne yeah uh, i lived in richmond i mean yeah. um and i was like i'm not going to come down here jump on the bandwagon <laughs> yeah. so i actually started going for carlton did you go I for the did. blues I'm did a, you i'm a carlton man now. there you yeah. go i uh oh, my dad was a carlton man really and then i remember i come down and i started meeting eddie betts and hanging out with him and i was he was playing for carlton and i was like you know what i'm on the carlton bandwagon for sure and oh, yeah. 
didn't want to go for a team that were already up there. I wanted yeah. to cover a team. And that's when they were probably really that's shit. That's when they yeah. were at the, one of the lowest. Yeah. Um, I actually met Cripper over in America oh, in Austin. Big dog. Um, yeah, so I had a, had a beer with him and had a couple of yarns with him, which was cool. Um, now I like him even more. So he's a brown load, which is even better. I was a bit feel they lost that last game against Collingwood, wasn't it? Oh, that's flat. Yeah, that yeah. was the only game I went to for the year, to really? be honest. So I'm sort of a bandwagoner now. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Like, I don't really, I don't go to a lot of games, but, um, mate, they're going to be unbelievable next year. It's a really exciting yeah. time to be a blue that's supporter. Beautiful. Yeah. Love that. be good. So you're going to have to jump on some oh, of storm. I'll be jumping on hard. Don't worry about that. Yes. Um, no, nah, mate, I appreciate it, mate. If there's anything we can do uh, to help out, we will um, with it. But yeah, can't thank you enough for your time, bro. You're being extremely generous. Incredible stories. Super. Um, I think a lot of people are going to listen to that and be fucking absolutely. Yeah, yeah, really, so. really blessed. Hopefully, right. we can link up and. Oh, mate, we will be. Don't worry about that. 100%. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at Producey.com. Thanks for tuning in. Ilyxx. XX.